Well, we're in John chapter 11, and uh, when we left off at John chapter 10, that, this was uh, uh, before the month of December and our Christmas series, uh, Jesus was back in Jerusalem, and he was uh, celebrating uh, the Feast of Dedication. That uh, Feast of Dedication we know as Hanukkah today. And uh, and so he was there uh, ministering, and this was the last of his public ministry. But uh, he left uh, Jerusalem in verse 40, 40 to 42 of John chapter, or 41 of uh, John chapter 10, because uh, he was escaping the religious leaders who were wanting to uh, stone him and uh, arrest him. And so Jesus left, and he went on their side of the Jordan. You have to excuse me for a second. Um, I'm getting old. <laughs> and my microphone dropped over here, and uh, I went to pick it up, and I pulled a muscle. <laughs> so I've got a muscle cramp uh, underneath my ribs going on right now. So uh, it'll, it'll go away, I'm sure, but uh, you can pray for me. Uh, but Jesus went over to the other side of the Jordan. And he's been over there for a few few months. Now he's coming back to Jerusalem. He's been re- requested to come to uh, uh, help his the, the friend he loves, Lazarus, who is ill. Uh, the disciples don't want Jesus to come back to uh, the region of Jerusalem because uh, people want to kill him. But uh, that's where we are at in this story. And in chapters 11 and 12, it's kind of a transition now to the Passion Week that's going to start in John chapter 13. So beginning with John chapter 13 until the end of uh, the, the passage, uh, the, the book, uh, most of this is about um, that week before Jesus was crucified. And uh, so... As we look at John chapter um, 11 this morning, uh, you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it again here this morning because that's what this chapter is all about, is that we really don't know who Jesus is without a crisis. Uh, Jesus has allowed a crisis to take place in chapter 11. And Jesus never wastes a crisis. You know, we hear liberals talk about never wait a crisis. Well, Jesus never waits a crisis. And we, you know, we saw that back in John chapter 6 when uh, Jesus sent the disciples out into a storm. And in the fourth watch of the night, uh, Jesus came. He calmed the storm. He was walking on water. And the disciples saw a new aspect of Jesus' sovereignty, even over the weather that they had never realized before. Jesus displayed his glory in a crisis. And so Jesus is going to display his glory in this crisis uh, today. There's three words that uh, describe this chapter, chapter 11. Love, death, and glory. And we're going to look at those three words 
in John chapter 11 this morning. But let me begin reading uh, for us this morning, verses 1 through 6. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Jesus is about a two days journey from Bethany. And uh, and, uh, as John writes this, he says something really interesting in verse 2. He says, It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. That story is not going to occur until chapter 12. And John has already written it. He knows what's coming next. And I think in chapter 11, uh, John kind of puts, goes back and he puts a parenthesis here. He says, It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Why? Why does he insert that when chronologically, as we're looking at the life of Jesus, Jesus is, or John is recording the life of Jesus, why does he put this here when it hasn't happened until chapter 12? That, that's a question for all of us uh, this morning. Um, because in chapter 12, you know, Mary knows Jesus, and she's worshiping at his feet, and she's wiping uh, her, her tear, the, the, the perfume that uh, she's anointed her Savior's feet with her hair. She's overwhelmed with who he is. How does she know who she is? Oftentimes, church, <laughs> every time, church, We've got to go through a crisis. We've got to go through a chapter 11 before we get to chapter 12. And that applies to us, and we're going to be looking at that today. Jesus wants to take us through some tough stuff so that we can appreciate who he is. Mary and Martha were being severely tested. In church, we are being severely tested. Why? It's because he loves us. 
Look at verses 5 and 6 of chapter 11. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Because Jesus loved this family, he stayed. He didn't get up and run and be with Lazarus and try to heal Lazarus of his illness. No, Scripture says he stayed two days longer. He waited until he knew Lazarus was dead for two days. And then he got up and headed to Bethany, which required two more days. Why? Because he loved them. That's a severe love. And God takes this family through this severe love because he wants to reveal more of himself. He wants to show this family his glory, that he truly is God. And so again, You've got to go through a chapter 11 before you get to a chapter 12. So let me just encourage us. Don't put a period where God puts a parenthesis. God is still working. You know what? A lot of people have put a parenthesis after 2020. And if you didn't put a period after 2020, some people are putting a period after 2021 already. In their minds, God, God quit. No, friends, God is working. And what he wants you and I to do is believe. Believe him in, in everything. Because he's taking us through chapter 11 to get to chapter 12. Now, where's our chapter 12? Well, John's recorded that too. Don told us the end of the story. If you look at Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12, church... This is our chapter 12. Revelation 7, verse 9 says this, And this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
Church, that's chapter 12. That chapter 12 is going to last for all eternity. And you and I need to believe it as we go through a chapter 11. You know, the world says you've got to see it before you believe it. But God says you've got to believe it to see it. Believe it that God is going to be glorified as you go through chapter 11 and that we are going to experience his glory for all eternity as Martha worshipped at the feet of Jesus in chapter 12 of John. So, my friend, if you're going through a chapter 11 right now, don't measure God's love by the amount of health and wealth or comfort that you are, are experiencing or not experiencing. That's not God's love. If, if that's the way we measure God's love, then you know what? God hated the Apostle Paul. God hated his son, Jesus Christ. Don't measure God's love in that way. Believe that whatever suffering, whatever delay, whatever pain that you're going through, whatever crisis, God's going to use it to reveal more of himself to us. John fourteen twenty one says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. God wants to show himself to you in your moment of pain, in your crisis. Jesus waited two more days before he got up and went to Bethany. And it had been four days since Lazarus was dead. And Jesus got there. Let's let's go to uh, the word death. So the first word is love. Know this, church. God loves you. Now let's look at the word death this morning. And I'm going to read, skip and uh, read verses 17 through uh, 35. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb four days. Bethany, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he may he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me 
shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with, with Mary in her house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was, saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he had who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Jesus has been dead four days. And here in verses 21 through 27, we, we hear the pain the disappointment in Martha's question, Lord, where have you been? If, if you had been here, my, my brother wouldn't have died. Lord, you've let us down. And Jesus says, Martha, your brother's going to rise again. And here in this passage of Scripture, Martha has a correct theology of, uh, of what Jesus is going to do in the end, but uh, she doesn't understand it, it, she doesn't understand that Jesus can do it in the moment. Jesus says to Martha, "Martha, I am the resurrection and the life." And she, it's still not equating for her. She knows that he's the resurrection and the life at the end, but Jesus is conveying to her, No, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life right now. And yet, it's still not connecting. She's still continuing to think in future terms. What Jesus is saying to her and what Jesus is saying to us this morning, church, is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life in the presence, in the present, in the present tense. He wants to be that in our life. He wants to be the resurrection and the life right now. You're familiar with Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ the resurrection Christ who lives in me. Let me read that for us. Um, Let me turn there. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. 
you don't have this mark in your Bible, if it's not underlined, uh, you need to have it underlined. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul knows that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and that this life, our life, has been crucified, and our life is now hidden in him. And that resurrection power that Jesus has in raising Lazarus back to life, that life that Jesus lived, because our lives are hidden in Christ, we can have that same resurrection power and that same life. And so Jesus telling Martha, Martha thinks that Jesus is late. Jesus blew it. Jesus let her down. And what Jesus is telling Martha, Martha, I'm right on time. I created this crisis. I allowed this crisis to happen. Because I want you to know more of who I am. And that same idea, Jesus wants us to know personally as we go through our chapter 11. Jesus is exactly who we need when we're going through a crisis. And so that's Mary's reaction to Lazarus' death, or Martha's reaction. Then we see Mary's reaction in verses 28 uh, through 37. Um, And Mary, the emotional one, she's... She's sobbing. She is overwhelmed. When she first heard that Jesus had come, it wasn't Mary who got up. It was Martha. Martha ran to to uh, um, be with Jesus. But Mary was so distraught, she stayed in the house. But Martha had to come back and say, Mary, the Savior wants to speak to you. And that's when she got up. But she was unconsolable. And uh, this is Mary's 2020, 2021, and she too is questioning Jesus' love and motives. And the Bible says in John chapter 11, verse 33, you know, not only did Mary come to to, to see Jesus at that point, but those who were in the house with Mary, they too got up and, and followed her. And so in verse 33, Jesus is seeing all this emotion, how people are distraught. And the Bible says, and when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. And greatly troubled. Hmm. Deeply moved and greatly troubled. Why? I think Jesus was seeing that 
they thought things were hopeless. That this was something beyond what Jesus could fix. That they had put a period on God. And they were distraught. They were without hope. When the resurrection and the life was in their very presence. Let me just pause there for a moment. Could it be that Jesus feels the same way about the church today? This has been quite a week, church. It's been a culture reshaping week for our country. And I think that Jesus is looking at the church today and he's deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Now, now one side of the church, okay, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's the, and I'm not talking about our church, I'm talking about church in general, okay, in, in this world. I think there's one part of the church who, who think they are a part of the church, who are giddy about this week. And I'm talking about the apostate church. This is, um, I think they're, this is, this is the side of church who has chosen culture over truth. This is the part of the church who has watered down their doctrine, who wants to be accepted, who wants to be liked by the world. And this is their evangelism strategy. And unfortunately, they have lost all their testimony. Their testimony has disappeared. And they see Jesus as a friend to sinners... And they want to be a friend to sinners, but they have disregarded the gospel. And that aspect of the apostate church is giddy over the events of this last week. But then there's another part of the church who is grieving who is responding like Mary, who has lost old, all hope. They, they see democracy on a death spiral, and that's been, that's been their hope. You know, the apostate church, they, they've chosen culture over truth. And another side of the church, they've chosen power over truth. 
And how do you know if you've chosen power over truth? Well, how have you responded this week? Have you been like Mary? Have you felt hopeless that uh, this, this country is doomed? That there's nothing we can do about it? That God's not working? Again, chapter 11. Jesus never wastes a crisis. And even in this moment, God is at work. You know, Wednesday was, Wednesday was a difficult day. And, uh, and I don't fault the protesters who went to Washington, D.C. Honestly, if I lived close to Washington, D.C., I may have gone to Washington, D.C., as well, to have protested. I don't fault them for having walked onto the Capitol and make their voice known. But I do fault the violence. That's when they cross the line. I don't fault the BLM protests, and I've shared that over the, the summer. But what I do fault is the violence that accompanied those protests. That crossed the line. But for us this morning, not talking about the extremists, I'm talking about us in this text. These people saw nothing but death. They didn't see the resurrection and the life in their moment. They, they just were overwhelmed with the fact that it was over. There was nothing anybody could do about it. And that the resurrection and the life was in their very presence. But God wasn't in their reality. Now I want to speak to those you know, it's, this, it's, this isn't a political message. This is about the time for God takes us through chapter 11. Maybe you're going through a different kind of darkness this morning. Maybe it's circumstances. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's a job. Where is Jesus? He's there for you. Verse 34 of chapter 11. After it says that Jesus was greatly moved and troubled in his spirit, he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And he went to the very place of their darkness. And the Bible says that Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus cared. Jesus knows your place of darkness right now. Jesus knows your fear. 
For some of you, I know that you're waiting on medical reports. And you're fearful. Jesus knows every one of those emotions. Jesus sees. Jesus cares. He weeps with you. The resurrection and the life wept. Not because he was overwhelmed and couldn't do anything about it, but because he cared. Church, he cares. And he wants us to trust him. 2020 was a tough year. 2021 is turning out to be a tough year. But Jesus cares. And Jesus wants us to know that he is the resurrection and the life. Jesus let Lazarus die. Jesus let this coronavirus come into our world. But Jesus wants to be glorified in it, and he wants us to know that he is the resurrection and the life. And so that brings us to word glory. Jesus wants to reveal his glory. Let me finish chapter 11, reading verses 38 through 44. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha. Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. <laughs> Martha still isn't getting it. Yeah, he's the resurrection of life. Down the road. But Jesus is the resurrection of life in her moment. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you, all, I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And we had said, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to him, to them, unbind him and let him go. Here they are at the tomb. Here they are at the tomb of death in the presence of the resurrection and the life. And Jesus wants this crowd, these sisters, to know that he is the answer. He is the answer to everything. I mean, can you think of something more difficult than raising someone from the dead? Jesus is the answer to every human dead end. 
We need to take that to the bank, church. And we need to remember that. Jesus is using whatever dead end in our life for us to trust him because he is the answer. He's showing us his glory in this text. He's telling us, he's telling them that he is the life. He is eternal life. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Not just the resurrection at the end, but he wants us to be that resurrection, that life in us here in the moment. He wants us to believe this. And in your moment of darkness, he wants you to believe that he is the answer. It's been a very dark week for our nation. I mean, I've responded, I've, I've reacted with hopelessness. And yet Jesus is reminding me, he's reminding us that he is very much at work. He is behind the scenes. He's orchestrating it all for his glory. He is the answer, and he wants us to trust him. So we're going through chapter 11. Let's remember chapter 12. Chapter 12 is Relation chapter 7. Now, it's been a tough week. The church, it could very well get a whole lot tougher. Again, this has been a cultural reshaping week. I don't know what democracy is going to look like down the road. But you know what? God gave us through the Apostle John that we're going through here in this book, the book of Revelation. And again, before you get to John chapter 12, you've got to go through chapter 11. You know what? At the end, at, before Jesus returns, before you get to Revelation chapter 7, there's going to be some who are on this earth at that point. They've got to go through Revelation chapter 6. Go to Revelation chapter 6. Verse 10. And these are the, these are the saints who are crying out during the tribulation. Bible says in verse 10, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were to be killed as they themselves had been.
That's their chapter 11. And so I just want to encourage us. I want to encourage us as a church to prepare for persecution if you are going to take a stand for Jesus Christ. If you're going to live by the truth that Jesus is going to be your resurrection, your life, you are going to encounter persecution. The church is going to be persecuted. But God is taking us through that persecution because he loves us. Because he wants to reveal more of himself to us. He is going to get the glory. And our chapter 12 is going to be Revelation chapter 7 for all eternity. Church, keep the faith. Jesus is praying for your faith. Whatever whatever you are going through, Jesus is behind it all. And he's orchestrating it for your good and his glory. And he cares. Verse 35. Let's pray. Father, thank you for John chapter 11. We don't like John chapter 11. Some in our church family have gone through John chapter 11 here recently and losing loved ones. And God, you are aware of each situation. And you care. And you're giving strength, light, and hope, and faith, and resurrection power to each one of those who trust you. God, I pray for others who are going through health scares. I pray for others who are encountering a financial crisis. Whatever the circumstances, God, you're there. And you want them to trust you. And Lord, as a church, I pray that we would choose truth, trust truth over power. God, even though many have been disappointed this week by the events of Washington, Lord, you're working behind all of us. For our good and your glory. Romans 8.28 God, help us to trust you. Help us to believe that we might worship you and adore you more fully. Here, as well as in eternity. And I thank you for what you will do in Jesus' name. Amen. Would the Lord bless you, church. Again, keep the faith. God's in control. He's sovereign. We can trust him. I hope you have a good week. If you have a need, let us know. 
the deacons, the elders are here to help meet that need. Look forward to us being again, hopefully February 7th, we'll see. But uh, let's let's keep the faith, let's stay together, and uh, I hope you have a great week. God bless.